Welcome to Fancy Black Lady. I'm your host, Jamila Carrington-Smith. And I'm your host, Landria Seals-Green. One quick note before we get started. If you love Fancy Black Lady, tell your friends about us. And for those of you who are Apple Podcast listeners, be sure to leave us a rating. In fact, leave us a review. Tell us what you love about the show. It helps us understand what's working, and it helps new listeners discover us. Thanks. We have our first troll. It's we a sign of success. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'm, I'm unbothered by all of that. I really am. Um, it's fine. But I was like, oh my gosh, we're popular. This is great. Well, I don't know if it means that we're popular, but it's certainly <laughs> a milestone. You know, my first, the, I took my first steps. We published our first episode. We got our first troll. Actually, wait a second, wait a second. Is it our first troll though? Because we had a we had a troll early on, didn't we? With the ratings? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I took that sucker and rolled with it. Yeah, I know. Put it into gold. Yeah, that's right. Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's a very good idea. But today we're we're talking about um, what we're calling the muddy middle, and that story or rather that anecdote came to mind just because, you know, we're at a point in building this podcast where things like that, if you're not careful, can knock you off track. And so we started talking about this muddy middle business, which is super, uh, it's rich with possibility, but that's just one of the little ways that you can get knocked off track. But then it begs the question in that muddy middle is all criticism bad. And I would say the answer is no, but you do want to be discerning about what you do take in. Yes, yes. So speaking of what you take in, there was a certain little girl in a in a very fancy salon suite who had an experience. <laughs> yes, yes. That child's mother um, set her up for a press and curl. And it's my daughter and she um, went in for an appointment. She was sitting down in her chair and she was excited to go, excited to walk in, mask on, smiling, and sat in the chair and started to get her hair washed, blow dried, deep conditioned, blow dried, and all the stuff. And midway between the blow dry and the pressing curl or the pressing of her hair. She had a complete meltdown in the chair. A a meltdown that I've never seen before. And I was wondering, well, maybe the flat iron was too hot or the hot comb was too hot and it was painful for her. Nope, she said all of those things were fine, not painful at all. She did not appreciate the middle the puff on one side the straight hair on the other side she did not like her hair looking a mess and when i tell you this child cried and could not contain her tears to the point that she said i'm trying not to cry she just couldn't help it so at the end the hairstylist darylin was a cheerleader. Should we do your hair this way? Should we do your hair this way? Let's do a ponytail. But she never tried to get her to stop crying. I tried to get her to stop crying. The hairstylist was working with her as she was in this process to come up with a solution that would work. The thing I like about kids of a certain age, the thing I like most about 
like toddlers, for example, is they will just fall out. They'll have a complete knock them down, drag out on the floor, just big and wide and tall <laughs> emotional experience. And what I like about them and the reason why I feel like I can relate to this even better than I can relate to what's happening with babies is that what's happening with toddlers is actually so pure and yes. it is what's happening inside of all of us. It's just that we've just developed better social skills as we've moved into adulthood. And so I look at them and I'm like, I see it. I see the purity of what you are experiencing. I feel the same thing sometimes. And, you know, I get it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. They have such a, it's authentic freedom, right? The child who says, I want that Mickey Mouse. And he says, no matter what, I'm just going to lay out on this floor in aisle three and I am going to cry because that's important to me, right? No matter how anyone feels about it, he is in his feelings and he honors his feelings right there in that moment. And she did too. And I just wonder when you're in a, a let's call it the, the messy middle, because it was a messy middle. Hair poofball on the side, straight on the other side, and we are a poofball family. So she she is okay with the Afro puff every now and then, but it for her all of it together on the same head was not the vision. <laughs> so the reason why I love this story is I can see it. I mean, I have lived that. I live that experience every single time I do my hair. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. But you know I the process. Oh, the process. Yes. I can see the, the puff on one side and the straight on the other side, or, you know, one thing going on and the next thing going on. Because I know when I do my own hair, I get tired. I get tired right in the middle, in the mess. Yes, middle. in the middle. So yeah. wait, wait, you stop? Not always. You know, sometimes okay. I, I push through, but sometimes I do. I take a break. Yes. Because you have to do both, right? Depending on how you feel. Yes. That's interesting. That's good. Because so many of us push through, and I am a majority push through person lately. And I would want to stop and scream or just take a break, right? But I push through because I need to. But it's something to be said for the person who pauses in the middle because they need, they are tired. But and you then know, for the person who says, I need to push through, it is worth a reevaluation of what you actually need to do. Because the needs of the person who needs to push through and the needs of the person who take a break are not necessarily different. I really do think that it's a matter of how much you are honoring your own emotional experience. It's not a question of what you need to do objectively. It's a question of what you need to do as you have prioritized yourself. So the messy middle gives you the opportunity to reevaluate, you think, your process, what you really need to do, what, like what are the necessary things and what maybe are not. If you can get yourself out of the crazy headspace that the messy uh. middle puts you in, then yes, it's this amazing opportunity to reevaluate, get back to the fundamentals. I like this. I like this a lot because when I think about the whole process and her sitting in the chair, so um, she couldn't pull herself out of the process, 
Like she couldn't, she couldn't pull herself out of it. She doesn't have that yet. And sometimes we cannot pull ourselves out of the process and you mm -hmm. need a Darlin. But then there are times that you've got to pull you out the process. Well, when you're a grown up, most of the time you are pulling yourself out of the process. And I can tell you that for a person like me to have a Darlin, it needs to look a lot different in the very adult type of situations that I have, the very adult type of messy middle. Because messy middles happen in all the areas. It's, it's work. It's, um, I can think of work. It can be family. It could, it could even be a home project. I mean, my gosh, it could even be a home project. It could, it could be almost anything. But when I think of my own messy middle, the best example that I can use is building a business. Mm -hmm. building a business and all of the parts of that building something and having this great idea is wonderful people applaud that like oh girl that is great that is wonderful but then you get in the middle and you're actually doing stuff and the layers upon layers of what it takes to build and grow something and have it make money for you and sustain you and all of that stuff. That's a long, messy middle. To your point, there are times where you pull yourself out. There are times somebody pulls you out. And then there are also times where you push through because you need to. But in the middle of that, um, working smarter and not harder, you reevaluate what is really necessary for that level. When it comes to something like that, most of your experience is the messy middle. There's great excitement yeah. and great fanfare at the beginning where people are maybe cheering you on. But where's the end? You know, where's There's, the end point? The whole thing is the messy middle, really. The whole thing is, it, that's the thing. You, you get tired because it seems to be uh, there is no end. There is no end. So it has to be incremental messy middles. Like, there are many levels of it within a project. But relocating, like you've relocated, right? A couple times. Yes. In my case, um, we were moving for my husband's job. And, you know, each relocation, to be honest with you, felt like a messy middle. When you take the long view, each of these relocations has felt to me like a messy middle because never did I intend for either of these moves to be my permanent home. And so when you live in a space where you just always feel like you are, um, you are not exactly transient, but this is not permanent. It's led to all kinds of things like, um, I am a chief purchaser of command strips, 3M removable command strips, because I don't have <laughs> holes in the walls because I almost always feel like I will be moving into a new place. I have moved, let's see, I think we have moved a total of, we've lived in a total of nine, nine different homes. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. So just right. my entire location situation has felt like one big messy middle. And this is what it's like to have a grown up messy middle. I can tell you another thing that's real grown up is, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, so when you work in the ad business, one of the things that's fun about that business is that it's, it's mostly geared toward young people. And when you are in your 40s and you're making a certain amount of money, you find yourself in danger because mm. if you are working on a piece of business that can no longer support your salary, then 
you're one of the ones who's in danger. It's so much cheaper to keep three young professionals than to have one seasoned professional who is at an income level that if you have to make some choices, it's one person instead of three people. And you just kind of hope that you can grow people into whatever the new role is. But right. yeah, you hit a certain level and you are constantly in danger of you know, a, a, a major upheaval. And so I found myself in a position where the business I was working on could no longer support me. So I was let go from my job. I um, had just come off of, you know, some, some things happening with the children and I was living in a brand new place that really didn't support all of the years of experience that I had uh, working in a certain vertical. And so I, I found myself in, in a place where there really was no work to speak of in the vertical that I worked in. And so um, it was, it was and, and even the place from which I had been let go um, created this position for me because they just liked what I brought to the table, but they didn't have enough of that stuff to keep me there. So I found myself living in a place that I certainly didn't think, you know, I, I honestly felt like we had moved all, all around to all of these places and the music stopped. The music stopped a couple years ago with the economy, but you know, that's fine. Right. But I certainly didn't expect to land in this place forever. I had lost my job, which wasn't even a job that was great for me because, you know, it really, it, they really didn't have enough of the kind of stuff to take full advantage of all of these skills and, and contacts and things that I had developed over the years. And then, you know, I had this situation where I was in a space where that was very culturally different. So I was living in a place where most of the moms just don't work. Most of the moms I know don't work outside of the home. And so I was this strange animal in the place where I worked. I was yeah. this strange animal in the space of my children's parents. I was a stranger in a strange land. <laughs> I moved to this place that was not my home and, you know, having to build my own networks again from the ground up. So it was all just very, it all felt like one big old messy space. And um, the way I came back from that was I just completely pulled myself out of it. And what I decided was that, and I know that not everybody has the luxury of doing this. I am aware and I am really grateful for the fact that I was able to do it. But what I did was I just decided I'm not going to do anything else unless I absolutely want to do it. I am yeah. only going to do the things that I absolutely want to do. So that was when I took a Pilates class and I was going to Pilates in the middle of the day with all these people who don't work outside the home. That's a real I, thing. <laughs> I That's was. a real thing. I, um, I took a coding class, a coding boot camp that was specifically for women. And I met all these amazing women who, you know, I still keep in touch with and who I think are just really extraordinary people. Um, I, through the Pilates class, actually was introduced to... Um, was introduced to a political organization that I work with right now. So I'm now on the board of that political organization, joined a women's collective giving organization. So these are women who get together, they pool their money, and then they decide which nonprofit organizations they will give these grants to. And these are no small grants. This is an organization called Impact 100. Yeah. And uh, they give, or at least in the year I was there, it was several $90,000 grants to local organizations. And so I put myself on one of the evaluation committees. And then through that work, I found the organization that I work with right now. I found them, I 
really, really was um, impressed by the work that they do and offered my services. Hey, how can I volunteer for you? Here are all the skills that I bring to the table. And it just turned out match. And so found myself in a position where I was saying no to a position with them. They wanted to bring me on full time. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I take Pilates and I volunteer. And <laughs> I'm part of this, you know, political organization. I, I remember this. And no, I do not want this job. Thank you very much. But, you know, now I've found myself in a position where I am doing this job. And, and, and what makes the job so interesting and so special to me is that for the first time I'm doing, I'm using every skill that I've ever learned all along the way. And um, I was always this unusual person in that I, I've worked in many different parts of the marketing mix. For those of you who are marketers out there, you understand what I mean. But when you say marketing, it's like a big old bucket term. Yeah. But I had worked in many, many spaces within marketing. And then I had taken this coding class. And then I had, you know, like done all these other things along the way that I just wanted to do. And so now I'm in a position where I'm actually using everything I've ever learned. And it feels amazing. It feels amazing. I'm a lover of design, right? You know, I dove deep into design-related stuff. I'm using all of that, all of it. Um, I love this. But really, it, it started with me pulling myself out of it completely and just saying, I am only going to do the things that I really, really want to do and nothing else. And it has brought me a greater fulfillment than I ever would have had if I continued down that old path. See, so I, I, I love this story for many, many reasons, because I don't, I'm not sure you realize that not only did you pull yourself out of the mud, but you also did a pivot. And that is, is key. So you, um, as a side note, when you said that you felt like you were a stranger in a strange land, um, I think we moved to the same area and about a year away from each other. Like a, maybe there was a year difference. Mm -hmm. And the one thing, um, I kept this uh, cassette tape um, in my car and it was, a, it was a sermon actually, and it was called Singing in a Strange Land. And I kept that and I kept listening to it because I felt like I was in a strange land and I was going to sing in this new place. And I just, I needed some encouragement. And so I got, I, I, I got a tool and an instrument to help pull me out. So some people get books, some people phone a friend, um, and then you end up phoning that friend a lot. But I ended up getting this particular cassette tape, and I listened to it over and over again and read things that talked about pulling yourself out. But I want to say you, also, you, you, you pulled yourself out, you pivoted, and then you, did, you sharpened your tool belt, so to speak. Um, so even though it was not the original skill set, but it was a brain talent ability and skill set or cognitive skill, and you were able to expand that scope just based upon how you learn, how you operate, what your interests are. And you're right. Not many people have the luxury to say, I'm not going to do anything that... Um, 
unless it fulfills me. But for people who don't have that luxury, this is what it looks like. I'm going to take this class at night after the kids go to bed, or I'm going to take this class on Saturday. I'm going to attend this workshop after work. So, you know, everybody does it in the way that their life allows. Right. So, um, but it's so, I, I love the pivot. I have to tell you, I love the pivot in mud and that's not, e- that's not easy because you had to come out of yourself. You had so, to come outside of yourself to the, for this. So I want to clarify because it did not feel like a pivot and I would challenge I you and I would say it's not a pivot. It is never a pivot when you are coming back to your internal compass. That's not a pivot. No. That's being true to yourself. It's understanding. Yeah. You know, it's understand, it's just tuning in to yourself. So a pivot is a reaction to something external. And I can tell you, I just went inside myself. So you went inside yourself, tuned into your internal compass, got back, got in that position, repositioning yourself. But I feel like, you know, some people go back to the same thing. But I guess the differentiator is you went to your authentic, your internal compass. It's easy to go back to yeah. the same thing, but I just feel like when enough things have changed, it just becomes abidingly clear that there is no going back. Sometimes there is no place for you. There's no place for you to be fulfilled. And some people go back and they're accepted back, but they go back and they're unfulfilled and they're unhappy and they don't like where they are, but they're there. But you said, no, I'm going to take a risk. But I don't know if you said it out loud, but you actualized it. You moved, you, you did the work. Um, you did the work. But doing the right thing for myself never feels like the, it never feels like I'm doing the hard work when I, yeah. it, I'm always doing the right thing. So again, I am someone who has always been very reflective and it's always clear to me when I'm doing the right thing for myself. I think if you can be attuned to that, it's a gift. If you feel like this is not a gift that you have, that's when you can do the work. But once you find that place, once you find that true north, or whatever it is for you. It, it's no longer work. All you have to do is just check your compass. This is true. But not everybody does that type of self-reflection. But there's something else that you did. You reached out to people. You reached out to people. You expanded your network. And then you were bold enough to say, this is my skill set. And you said, how can I help you? Um, and, you know, that that's a, again, not everybody has that space and that world, but Saturday and Sunday work um, too. And I remember um, when I was trying to expand my own skill set, there are things that I did on the weekend in order to get that particular skill set so that I could create my own course, so to speak, or chart a different path for myself. So there's sacrifices that you make so that the the end result gets you where you want it to go. 
And it will look messy. It will look like an Afro puff and straight on one side. It will not look good. It absolutely looks like that sometimes. And I would just say, sometimes when you're in that process, just don't look in the mirror. Don't look (laughs) in the mirror. You know what? And and, and let me just, let me just clarify too, because (laughs) you're right that, you know, in some, in some ways it's putting in the work, it's taking the classes, it's putting your head down, it's doing the thing, it's sharpening your toolkit. But you know how I feel about language and the capacity for language to strip the magic out of things. Let me just tell you what this really looked like. So I decided I'm going to take this Pilates class and it was great for me because I grew up dancing. And so there's a certain connection to my body that's really important to me. So I was doing yeah. this. And the truth is I was also working out some, you know, I, I felt like I had mental health issues creeping up on me after the election of 2016. So all of this was weighing on me. So I was doing Pilates and I was doing the most, the yeah. most. <laughs> so anyway, this I can just see it. I can see it. I can see it. You know, you have no idea. So (laughs) this woman in my Pilates class, after I'd been there for several months and stuff, and she had been there, one day after class, she's like, you know, you seem like a real badass. I'm like, you know what? I am a real badass. She's like, I really think that you would be interested in this this thing. You know, we're doing some, uh, I'm I'm with this organization and we do this thing. And again, it was in a political space. But the way I was... Uh, letting it all flow kind of through Pilates, right? Just on the reformer. (laughs) And something about just the, maybe the way that I was putting the energy into this space made this person say, look, I don't even know you outside of this, but you seem like a badass. So let's do this thing. That's right. not always, you know, a very linear process. It is not always, you know, I need to take this class and get this credit in order to get that degree in order to get that career. It's not like that. Sometimes it's just more a matter of saying yes to things. It's a matter of raising your hand and doing things. So when I joined this women's giving organization, for example, I joined it because I thought, this is really amazing. You know, this power of women to get together and pool their funds. They were giving out real money. And it was filled with women who had careers, had had careers, and then, you know, many of them had had children and decided to stop working. So you have a woman who, you know, is cleaning up spittle off of her baby all day long, but she used to be a CFO. So she's on the financial evaluation committee for this organization. And I thought, well, these are the kind of women I need to know. These are my people. And so when I, when I got in there, I said, well, if we're evaluating organizations, I'd like to do that. I'd never done anything like that before, but that's, that's, that's the space of it. It's saying yes to more things. It's just being neutral at worst and enthusiastic at best about the things that come to you. And also to be clear in this new position where, like I said, I'm using all the things that I've, that I've picked up, you know, all along the way, what I am doing, and I understand that it takes a certain kind of temperament to do this, but the only things that I ever do in this job are things that I have never done before. I'll say it again. The only things I ever do are things I've never done before. So for me personally, this is incredibly energizing. I realize it's not for everybody, but my journey out of this space where, you know, it was just like an Afro on one side and straight on the other and OMG was happening to my life has pushed me into a space of, uh, uh, I am at the edge of my comfort zone. And I am comfortable being at the edge of my comfort zone. So, you know, I, I, 
it may look like a very linear process for some, but for others of us, it's going to feel a little more like being on the edge. And if you can just enjoy just that breeze, because you're on the edge, you are on the edge of things, and you know who knows what's in the great beyond, if you can enjoy that feeling, then the process can look a little more like that for you. This is good because I'm thinking about, um, okay, so I know you didn't want to, I feel like I, well, I, what I really want to, I want to say two things. One of them is when I imagine you in the Pilates class and because I know you, I can visualize you doing all the things and doing the most and your hair moving and you were just, you know, really physically into the movements of Pilates class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, you showed up. There was no pretentious uh, thing about you in this class. You showed up. And going back to you were able to get to the core of who you are and your authentic self started showing up more often in all the places, not the thin or the thick layer of defense that sometimes we carry in our workspaces, but or in any space, because maybe some of that had been stripped away because of circumstances that you did not appreciate and no one appreciates from a work perspective. And I have to, I would guess in saying that none of that felt great. None of it felt great. But then I'm also thinking of this phrase that I carry with me that nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. You you keep talking about, you have said over and over again that what you're doing now has brought everything that you have done prior from a talent, from you, yourself, your, your personhood, and your skill set, and it's put them all into this one, it's, it's allowed you to use everything that you have before. And I would say at the top of that is, your personhood, you as a person, the excitement that your personhood needs and, and, and thrives off of doing new things and having new adventures, cognitive or physical, just having new adventures, um, but nothing is wasted. So that would mean that the bad stuff, the good stuff, all the stuff, nothing is wasted especially when you're in that middle, because even if it's an incremental step, nothing was wasted and look at what you are able to do now. Certainly. Certainly. But not everybody does that well. Well, when you're in it, you don't feel like you're doing it well. When you're in it, you're just like, oh man, I got to take this Pilates class because I got to get my blood pressure down because I'm scared after this election. Or you're like, going to take this class. I've never done that before. Well, this is scary and it's hard. And you know, what on earth am I going to do with this afterward? Not really sure. Or it's, I'm going to join this organization, you know, didn't realize it, but this is a lot of work. What am I doing? So it all just feels messy while you're in it. And I do think that it's important to just occasionally step back, step back and think about your own story, which is another thing that I do on a very regular basis is I'm always stepping back and saying, okay, what's the story? Because if you can see your own story, you know, if you can, sometimes you have to, (laughs) sometimes you have to draw your own arc of the story. 
the arc is not always apparent to you. And so when you step back and you tell yourself, when you retell the story, once upon a time, back when I worked in advertising, one of my clients was a major food manufacturer. And they just did some incredible things when it came to how they trained their marketers. When they identified someone who was a rising star, this was a company that has a vast family of brands that everyone, that all of us have in our pantries. But um, what they would do is with a rising star, they would rotate them and make sure that they, they hit four key experiences. One, they wanted them to work on a major leading global brand. Then they wanted them to work on a challenger brand, like a number two brand, a number two brand that's really hungry and heavy. They wanted them to work on a new product that was just being launched into the marketplace. And they wanted them to work on a failing brand. And so when I think about my own experience, the successes, the failures and all of it, I've actually been able to frame my story through that lens of, you know, what does it take to make a superstar? You have to have all of these experiences, really. It's you, failure is necessary. You know, being out front and being the leader is necessary. Being in a position where you are number two and you are scrambling like the devil to catch up. Being in a position where you're doing things that you've never done before or creating something new from scratch. Like all of these are important to the kind of life that I want to live. When I'm in the messy middle, and really all, all of it is the messy middle. You know, you take a long enough view of things, all, I, all of it is the messy middle. But when I'm in the messy middle, you know, this is why I do take these steps back and think about what is the story. When I think about what is my failing experience? What is my growth experience? What is my out front glorious experience? All of it is necessary. That's all great. That's wonderful. But I can tell you that that failure button Not everyone thrives after that. Some people fail and all they're doing is surviving and gasping for air because it's failure after failure. It's goal unachieved after goal unachieved. And that weighs on your personhood and that weighs on your your esteem and how you think about yourself. I remember sitting down and someone saying to me, well, that's because you defined yourself in that thing, in that business, in that thing that you were building. And so when it didn't make it, you felt like you were a failure versus Mm -hmm. saying that it failed. And I thought, well, that's a game changer. And ever since then, it has never been about me as the person who is the failure, but about the thing that I was doing just didn't work out. And what can I learn from that? What can I glean from that? Because the messy middle does not mean that you feel, you know, it it may feel like an Afro puff straight and no one is there to do the other side. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it might feel like. And your arms are tired. You know what? Sometimes you just, if it's straight on one side and Afro puff on the other, just turn them both into Afro puffs and rock that look. But you know, some people were not conditioned for for Afro puffs. Some of us grew up where you had the press and curl and that was the only acceptable look. And so when you think about failure, that is not the look. Some of us have this image of that. And we've attributed that to perfection. And so when you are building something, especially if you're building a business, 
I would speak for myself. When I was building a clinical therapy practice, it was difficult because there was no one that looked like me around me who built it. Now, I had mentors who had done some other things, but they didn't do it at the scale that I was or how I was doing. But I will say this. We all know that each generation should be better than the last, right? I was doing this thing and it was it, it was so messy in the middle and sometimes I would feel a success, but I identified myself in error as I built. And, and when I didn't make it or something happened, I thought it was because of me or it was me not knowing that that is how processes work. We accept that in all the other spaces, but when we are putting our hands on something, we're like, no, this is supposed to be this way. Yes, it is because nothing is wasted and experiences and those things are meant to grow you up. And my business grew me up. It grew me up not to take anybody else's crap. And then all the things, all the things that I have ever learned, all the, the life lessons are the things that made me better at my career. It mm. wasn't necessarily the, the education and the school and the certifications. Now, let me, yeah. I don't want to discount those things because those are necessary to do the actual job. But what really made me great and what helped me persevere is because I allow failure to grow me up. And I allowed those lessons and the, the no's to grow me up. And then I said yes to a lot of things that I had never done before and didn't see other people do in front of me. And I said yes. And guess what? Like you, got to know other people, got to build a Rolodex and have fun while doing it. So the best parts of my day of my of my work um, and, and how I work, the workspace that I have now is because I allow me to shine. Not my skill set, not my level, but me. So how did you get to a place where you let failure grow you up? Because you have to you have to be a little grown up to let failure grow you up and not let it knock you down so much. Yeah. Um, I had, you know, uh, someone who was cheering for me on the side. And whenever I would forget who I was, I have to say that my father would remind me of who I was by saying my entire name. And he would say, you are. So before the lights and the, you know, people would applaud like, oh my gosh, that's Landry. And I'm not saying that's how people receive me. I'm just, you know, I did that for myself first. And when things didn't work out, I was honest about it. I didn't try to hide behind it. You you can't, because when you hide behind it, you dismiss the lesson and what you could learn from it. There is no hiding. So I let it grow me up. Yeah. And because I know I only have one life, that's the one shot. That's the real one shot. You have one life. So you better show up. How do we wrap this up? Live the process. Don't worry about it being a process. Just live it. Don't look in the mirror too often. Don't look in the mirror. And step back every now and then and tell yourself your story. You'll be surprised at where you are. Things maybe aren't as messy as you might think. I agree. I agree. I like when you said uh, pushing through, there's a moment to pause. And sometimes your hands get tired from doing the whole thing and doing the whole head and it's okay to pause and stop. Yes, but quite literally, 
I mean, doing hair is a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And she had so much hair. I thought to myself, I have to do this. And then someone says, how did you get all that hair? You're thinking, and I said out loud from her mother who's still trying to get all hers back because, mm-hmm. you know, you know how that goes. Thanks for listening to Fancy Black Lady. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and visit our store at fancyblacklady.com. And as always, keep it fancy.